Um, something you may not know about me, you might have known all those things, but something you may not know is that my family of five would go every year for a little while to a farm in Tarkata near Wagga Wagga. And I loved going to the farm. I loved the countryside. I loved spending time with my family because we went with extended family. I loved um, looking at the piglets and feeding the lambs with a bottle. And I loved um, feeding the sheep out the back of the trailer or the truck. Like you can see, I thought that was really fun. Now, it wasn't until probably last year that I realised that that's actually not normal for sheep to be fed out the back of a truck on a farm. They're not like pets. They can feed themselves from a paddock. Turns out that when we were there, it was actually a drought, and I didn't realise it at the time, which kind of reminds me a little bit of the drought that we're still experiencing now. It started in mid-2017, but I don't know about you, but I didn't know anything about it until mid-2018. Was anyone else the same as me? Yes, a few people. Well, it wasn't until we started to see some maps like this on the screens of our computers, on social media, on television, that we started to see that New South Wales was in a really bad drought and eventually was declared 100% in drought. We started to see images like this of dry paddocks and animals that were hungry. We heard about farmers needing to bring in food for their animals every day and saw pictures like this also on our computer screens and televisions. And we heard stories of farmers who were giving up money that they had put aside to try and just to keep their animals and their farms alive. We were shocked to hear about farmers needing to kill their animals, that they would be shooting them because they just had no resources left to feed them and they were starving. And so they did what they thought was most humane and killed them. For most of us living in the city, this was something we were completely unaware of. We really didn't know what was going on until it was brought to our attention in the media. And it was this lack of us knowing that helped or that caused farmers to feel unseen and unsupported. And it was this feeling of isolation which meant that they felt like they were facing this battle by themselves. And as a result, we found that farmers felt a lost, they had lost direction and lost a way forward. As I said, there were lots of farmers who didn't know what to do going forward because they'd had these farms for a long time, but now they didn't know if they could actually keep them or if they'd have to try and sell them to somebody and who would have them when it was so badly in drought. We see that they'd lost hope and a vision for the future. There were other farmers that I've been listening to their stories of over the last week that they had had that farm in their, gen in their family for generations and they couldn't see how maybe they wouldn't be able to pass it on to their kids all of a sudden and their vision of the future had changed. They also felt devalued. They had worked hard to provide food for the people in the city, for all of us, and they felt unsupported that we didn't care and as a result that they had no value. They also had a lack of joy. If you look at the media um, releases that were out, that they had a low morale in the country. Their joy had been stolen. And they'd lost courage. Some of them had lost the will to go on and didn't know how they could. And they had a lack of peace. There was a lot of stress and depression and anxiety for these farmers in the countryside. 
And I don't know about you, you may never have had to face the drought like the farmers have and are still facing. But for myself, and I'm assuming for everybody here as well, there are times when we have struggles and difficulties where we feel like we're facing them on our own, where we are unseen to those around us. And maybe today that's you. Maybe you're in that same position right now. Maybe you're wondering, can anyone see what I'm going through? Does anybody care? And most of all, maybe you're thinking, can God see what I'm going through? Does he even know what's going on? And does he care? Well, today we are going to look at the story of Hagar, who was an Egyptian slave woman, and the story is found in Genesis chapter 16. She was the slave of a woman named Sarai, and Sarai was married to Abram, and you may know them as Sarah and Abraham. God changed their name, which you can read about in Genesis chapter 17. And God had given Sarai three promises, and one of the promises was that she would have a son, and through that son, that they their family would become a great nation. When we come into this story in Genesis chapter 16, we have Sarah starting to get stressed out. It's been years since that promise was given and nothing has happened and she's still not pregnant. And her husband's 80, I think about around 85 years of age and she's starting to think God needs a little bit of help and decides to intervene. Can I have a water, please? So let's have a look at the story together. Reading from Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Apparently, in those days, if you had a slave and they had children to your husband, then those children were yours. Little side note for you. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, the culture of the day was that if you didn't have children, that there was a lot of shame placed on you in that culture and that society at the time. So Sarah has been carrying this shame for a long time, and now, very quickly, Hagar seems to be pregnant, and she's treating Sarah differently, perhaps not following her rules as she should have. And so she is now feeling worse and she's not happy about it and complains to Abram. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So Hagar has been treated poorly and she's now run away. And the next thing we know is Hagar is at a spring in the desert. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. Now, Shur is actually on the way to Egypt. So it sounds like um, Hagar is trying to get back home to Egypt. And he said to her, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you'll give birth to a son. 
You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bia Laha Roi. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So if we have a look at this story, we see that Hagar has gone into the desert. She doesn't know what to do. She's treated poorly if she goes back to Sarai. The way to the desert is probably hard for a woman on her own who's pregnant. And so either direction that she goes is a problem. So she doesn't know what to do and she is very lost at that point. But then the angel of the Lord comes along and a lot of scholars, people say that it was God himself appearing to her. Others say it was an angel of the Lord with a message directly from God for her. Either way, God was speaking to her at the well when she's in this place of not knowing what to do, where she doesn't probably feel seen by anybody and doesn't know the way forward. And so... She's standing at the well and along comes this messenger and they prove that they're a messenger because they know um, that she's pregnant. They know of her misery, they say, and they also say her name is Hagar and that her mistress is Sarai. That's got to get Hagar's attention. It would definitely get mine if someone knew that that I didn't know. And then he gives a word to her about her son, a little prophecy there. And it sounds pretty awful. I don't think I would have been too happy if someone gave me a prophecy and told me that my son was going to be a wild donkey of a man. Thankfully, Aidan, no one did that. So, it's all good. But apparently, one of the things I read was that the wild donkeys at the time actually looked more like horses, not the donkeys that we think of. And to be a wild donkey was like being a wild horse. It was running free. And we have to remember that Hagar is a slave. And so for her to get told that her son would be running like the wild donkeys, it actually was a sign that there would be freedom for her. So all of a sudden, we see that, the, the name, Elroy, which means the God who sees me, we see that by being seen by God, she now has direction and a way forward. Because, one, she gets told to go back to her mistress. And two, she now knows that the future is looking better, which gives her hope. She now knows that there is hope, not just for herself, but for her son, that he won't live in the same difficulty that she has been facing. He will be a free man, which gives her a vision for the future. It also gives her value. God has seen her as a slave woman who would be treated, who was treated poorly, who other people looked down on. She was not seen that way by God. She was seen as a woman who had value. And she had joy. She goes back and it sounds like she said, I've seen the one who sees me. She has joy now because she was seen by God. She has courage to go back to her mistress who treated her poorly. And she has peace. You can see all of that when you read this passage. And the story for Hagar is the same story for us. When we remember and realize that God sees us, we realize that he gives us direction and a way forward. He is the one who gives us hope and a vision for the future. And when we remember that Jesus 
came and died on the cross for us, what a better way to remember that he, God sees us and sees our need and gives us vision for a future, not just for this life, but the life that comes in eternity with him. When we, know, when we become a Christian, we know that we have value, that God would die for us and that he can see us and cares about every single thing. In the Bible, it talks about that God knows how many hairs are on our head. For him to know that we're not just a number, we're someone important. We also have joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. God gives us joy, even if circumstances are not great. And he is the one who gives us courage to face the difficult times and the days ahead. And the Bible says that he gives peace that passes all understanding. All these things come when we go to God and we know that we are seen by him. Everything changes. But this message isn't just for us, it's for others too. And I just want to go back for a second to the, um, the story about the drought. I don't know if you remember, but when people around Australia heard what was happening for the farmers, when they were made aware and they saw the problem, all of a sudden everything changed. And all of a sudden people pitched in to help. And I want to show you a little video, it goes for about two and a half minutes, of the effect that had on the people who were living in the country. So have a look at the screen. I don't know if you could see that. Could you see those things that we said Hagar felt? They all of a sudden have direction and a way forward because people saw them and gave them hay. They have hope, a vision for the future. They know that they're valued by others. They have joy. They've got courage to keep on going. And there was some peace there. Do you spot it? All those things because they were seen. And we have a God who sees us. And that is much better. Even though hay is good, it's not going to last forever. We have a, a message to give people that lasts forever. And that is why we have the missions that we're involved at with as part of LifeGate. That's why we support Transform Cambodia. That's why we support Entheos Ministry in India, Scripture Teaching at Padstow um, Primary School, Scripture Teaching at East Hills Girls, the Amore Ministry in the Philippines. That's why we're running Alpha, because we want people to know that there is a God who sees them. So today, I believe that God wants you to walk out this door knowing that he sees you, that whatever your situation is, he sees you, and he knows exactly what you're going through. Whether it's a good season or it's a hard season, whether it's something that you feel like you're carrying on your own, he doesn't want you to keep going with that today. When I first um, got asked to speak this morning for Mother's Day, I thought, what am I going to say? So I went and I prayed and I said, God, what, what would you want me to say to them? And he said, tell them I see them. So I'm telling you he sees you. That's his message for you today. And so if you are someone who is feeling unseen, then I want to encourage you that we have a prayer team that will be coming up in a little while. Come and ask them to pray for you. I know a few weeks back at church, I was feeling a bit like this, and Nikki prayed for me, and it made a big breakthrough in my life. It can do the same for you. I just come alongside someone. That's what we're here for. We are a family. So come alongside someone, ask them to pray for you. If you are someone who wants to be more bold or have be more empowered by God to tell other people 
that there is a God who sees them. I want to encourage you, come and ask for prayer for that as well. And you can do that on your own. Obviously, you can ask God yourself, but I think there is also power that comes when we pray for each other. And if today you are realising that God sees you and maybe you've never heard that before or never known that before and you want to know more what it means to be a Christian, then I want to encourage you also to come forward, talk to someone or grab someone who's sitting in a seat next to you who's been a Christian for a while and say, hey, I would like to know more because this is the most important message you're going to get, that there is a God who sees you and loves you and died on the cross for you and he wants you to know that and to have a relationship with him.